0: That. All right, let's jump let's jump into our message. Uh, and um, I did I did need to say this because uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not. I, I took a nap the other day, and uh, those of you that wear glasses, you'll you know what I'm talking about. I, I fell asleep and I didn't realize I had my glasses on. And then when I woke up, my glasses had like gotten underneath, and I I had mangled my glasses. I mean, you know, when you weigh 200 and too much and you roll over and toss and turn on your glasses for a couple hours. When I got up, they were laying on the ground, and they looked like a truck had ran over them. So I, I, I've, I've tried to bend them back together, but I, I feel like that I'm looking at you like this this morning, okay? So if anybody thinks, man, John's looking a little bit unusual, that, that, I hope that's it. I hope it's not something not something else. Hey, I have loved this study over the, um, the minor prophets, entitled The Twelve, A Study of the Minor Prophets. Minor, if you remember, simply because of just, they're just small books. Like today, Nahum, we're going to look at just three little chapters. But what a, what a tremendous message that we've seen through this time. You know, we started with Hosea. What did Hosea teach us? He taught us about God's unconditional love how God forgives us even when we, even when we walk away from him as, as God told Hosea to take his wife back time and time again, even though she was a tremendous, tremendous sinner. You know, you got Joel, Joel's prophecy that in the last days that uh, there'll be visions and dreams about what God is, is doing we looked at Amos. You know Amos, he's that, he's that prophet from the hill country and what he had to say about God and his people. We talked about Obadiah and Jonah, how God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and he decided to go the other way and how God in this, in this wonderful way uh, made his will come true. And, and in reality, Nahum is Jonah part two. Because this is a prophecy against the city of Nineveh as, as well. Last week we talked about Micah. I, I, loved, uh, I loved Micah. I've enjoyed it so much. And I hope that you're, you're taking a part in the reading plan each week that we send out that goes with these, with these minor prophets. But what was, Micah's, what was Micah's message? How do we please God? We act justly. We love mercy. And we walk Humbly. You know, that's what, that's who God calls us to be. Well, that brings us up up to Nahum. And then we still have Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi. As one lady told me uh, last week, she said, Pastor John, if nothing else good comes out of this series on the 12, I know how to find them in the Bible now. Right? Because we've turned to them so many times, and um, I think that's a uh, that's a neat, neat thing. Of course, the youngsters here say, what is he talking about turning to the Bible? didn't he just look it up on his iPad or his phone or something like that. But anyway, we're in Nahum uh, 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 today. You know, the interesting thing about Nahum is that the message over and over and over again is simply this, God is in control. You know, there's three chapters in Nahum, and when you read the three chapters, and I'm going to read a portion of it to you here in just a minute, over and over and over again, it shows you about a people that has walked away from God. Now, you think about it. In the story of Jonah, Jonah preached to the city of Nineveh, and Nineveh what? They repented. But now, some 110 years later, They've walked away from from God. In Jonah, the message was was that they heard the message, they repented, and they recognized the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Israelites, as the one true God. Isn't it amazing how, how three generations can make such a difference? You know, when you read the Old Testament, you see over and over again about a king that loved God, that served God, that tore down the poles of Ashtaroth, and people were using to worship false gods, and they, they drew God's people to God, the Father, the one true God, and then all of a sudden, one generation, two generations, and then, and then it's gone. And people are totally looking towards something else. Or meaning in life. You know what folks? I think that's where we are. We're living in a time and in a culture that in many ways has abandoned, abandoned the faith that we've known, the faith of our ancestors, the faith of our grandparents and our, our great-grandparents, maybe even our parents, or maybe even of our own. But we find ourselves not realizing and not understand, understanding that God is in control. And I must admit to you, I struggle with this too. You look at the world and what's going on in the world and the sin that is so prevalent and how we look to other things for meaning and direction in life. And then we think, okay, God is in control. But then we doubt that. So, you know, is really God in control? Man, it looks like somebody else is in control. It looks like somebody else is driving the bus. But the thing about it is, folks, did you know that there's no such thing as darkness? Think about this. The only way that you have darkness is that you have if you have the absence of light. You can bring light into a room, but if you want to bring darkness into a room, You don't bring darkness in. All you do is that you eliminate the light. Let me show you here. Hey, guys, kill every light in here. We have the capacity to do that. For darkness to win, for darkness to overcome, we just have to have the absence of light. And you know what? A lot of times the absence of light is because of your life and my life. you can bring them back. Thank you. That was awesome. I didn't do that first service. I should have done that. That was cool. (laughs) But you know what, folks? Nahum is all about that. It's all about understanding that even though it doesn't look like it, God is in control. Say that with me. God is in control. Say it again. God is in control. Here, let me show you. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Nahum chapter 1, and after each verse, I'm going to pause, and I want you to say that. God is in control. Okay, here we go. A prophecy concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite, "'The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. "'The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. "'The Lord takes vengeance on his foes "'and vents his wrath against his enemies. "'God is in control. "'The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. "'The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. "'His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. "'The clouds are the dust of his feet.' God is in control. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. God is in control. The mountains quake before him and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence. The world and all who live in it. God is in control. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. God is in control. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust him. God is in control. Folks, we need to know that. You know, I think about this in light of of the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul participated in, um, in mistreating and even murdering, killing Christians. But yet God appeared to him and gave him a vision, gave him a, a message, gave him a, a, a purpose to live for. And the greatest opponent of Christianity became its greatest defender you know, as I look around the world today and I think about and listen, it's so easy to think about like this. It's so easy to be, you know, to read this passage, read other passages in this book and other places, and you think, you know what? Nobody out there really believes, but I, I disagree with that. I think if we bring up the light that we know of in the person of Jesus Christ, there's a whole lot more people out there than we ever know. I think we're like Elijah when he, Elisha, when he was on Mount Carmel and he was uh, uh, up against the prophets of Baal and then he, he fled and he asked God to take his life and he said to God, I'm all alone. Remember what God said to him? God gave him a number. God said that there's over 400 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. He felt alone. You see, folks, I, I I believe that when we shine our light for Jesus, we'll notice the lights of other people. I can't tell you how many times. Do you love to People Watch? I love to People Watch, man. I've been in I've been in airports all around the world. I don't know. I've probably been in hundred airports over over my lifetime, and I'm going to sit down and figure that out. Maybe it's only twelve, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Lots of airports, and you just watch people, and you just think about how, they're, how different they are, how different they look. You, you listen to them talk, and you wonder how different they are talking. I'm telling you what, almost every time when I strike a conversation up with strangers, a lot of times we start talking about Jesus. Because I don't see it in their life, and they don't see it in my life, but when we let it shine forth, we see that we have that in common. Arlene and I were going on vacation just a few weeks ago, and we were, we were stuck in an, in an airport in D.C., and we were waiting on our flight, and it was just hour upon hour upon hour, and there were these two young ladies that were there, and we struck up a conversation with them. One of them was from South Africa. The other one was from Belarus. And guess what? They were actually going to be dealers in the casino on the ship that we were going to be getting on. I said to one of the young ladies, I said, as we were parting, I said, you know, God bless you. You know what she said? She said, he has. You see, all we have to do to let darkness overcome us is to not let our light shine. Nahum's message is all about how God is in control. Here, let me give you a couple of insights that I, 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 uh, I have about this. You can look at it there in your bulletin, take some notes if you want to. But, you know, Nahum needed to understand, number one, that the Lord is God, that the Lord is God. You know, as I look around and as I look at the, at, the, at the culture that we live in, if I look around and look at the political landscape that we live in, and you look around and you see all these things that are going on, do we think this way? That the Lord is good? I mean, think about, think about Nineveh. Here they're saying Nineveh is going to be destroyed, and it will be destroyed. We'll look at that in another uh, um, uh, prophet here in just a few weeks but they are destroyed but think about it at one time they repented folks listen that's what we need today we need a we need another time of national repentance we need a time of personal repentance we need a time of people recognizing that God is in control and that God is in fact good Because it's so easy to look around at everything that's going on and you think, you know what? Is God in control? Is God good? And people question that. And Nahum says here that that is not something that we should in fact question. God's goodness. He is good. He's a God of second chances. Nineveh repented. Nineveh will fall in 612 B.C. Never to rise again. The book of Nahum is uh, is really a twofold book on the one hand Na- Nahum pronounces God's judgment and on the other hand he brings a solace to the people of God that choose the path of repentance. This This is why the Word of God tells us in the New Testament when the church was established on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached that wonderful sermon about Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the people declared and cried out, what must we do to be saved? Remember what he said? First thing he said was repent. Repent and be baptized. Become a part of this family of God. Nahum says that we need to know that the Lord is good. He also says that we need to understand that that the stronghold of God is ours. If you remember there at the end of chapter 1, he says the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in time of trouble. In other words, if we call out to God, he will always respond to us and help us and be there for us. He is our stronghold. Paul never forgot that. He never forgot the evil that he did in the presence of God's kingdom, but he always remembered that God was his strength. Think about this. The Apostle Paul was, I mean, he actually says he was, he was beaten a number of times, twice almost to the point of death. He was imprisoned. He was cast out. But yet in prison, he says that God has me here so that these people could hear the gospel. You see, so many times we look at our hardships because of how hard they are on us, rather than opportunities to share God's love, God's mercy, and that God is, in fact, our stronghold. In Nahum chapter 1, he says, Behold, on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Isn't that beautiful? Some scholars say that Nahum is one of the few places in the Old Testament where where Jesus Christ is not mentioned. And I disagree with that here. I think Jesus Christ is certainly the good news. We're told that in the New Testament, and I think it's a good reference here to this place. Behold on the mountain, the feet of him who brings good news. What is the good news? That God is good, that he is our stronghold, and that we have the ability to, to trust in him. God warns Nahum's audience because even though God is good, even though God is merciful, even though God responds appropriately to our repentance, his message also is that God will bring judgment. God gives us an opportunity to repent, but if we refuse that, then one day God will bring his, his judgment. That brings me to the third thing there on your list. Uh, the Lord knows who in fact does trust Him. The Lord knows who in fact has repented, confessed, the people that have that have truly followed Him. Let me tell you something, folks. God could go around this audience this morning and He could touch each person on their head who does know. He knows if you trust him but he also knows those of us here that doubt him that fear for our future and our children's future who worry about our political system and you know our entertainment system and educational system and and whatever but listen folks as god's people we must give all of that to him we must do our very best to be a, a light shining bright in the darkness, but we, we must know that God is in control and that we can trust him. You know, there's an interesting um, uh, thing in the, in the book of Nahum that's um, quite telling, I think. He, he, he refers in this book, he, he talks about Elohim. You ever heard that? Elohim. Elohim is a name for God. But it's interesting because here, when he, when he refers to, 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 to the gods of the people, the word Elohim is plural. In other words, it can refer to any of the gods, the gods of Baal, you know, the gods of the river, the gods of the sky. You know, any, any god that any group of people recognize, they would be considered part of the Elohim except when he refers to the God of the Hebrews. It's always singular. It's always the God of gods. It's always the one true God. Folks, I think that's where we are today. We have to understand that there's a lot of things out there that people can and do worship. There's a lot of things that take up of our time and of our devotion and and our resources and everything you know and, 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 the, and the false gods of today aren't necessarily statues like they were then that they had to tear down but today it's, it's, it's the God of hedonism it's the God of pleasure it's the God of materialism you know it's, it's, it's all of those kinds of things and, and we have to understand that that's, that's not the system that God wants us to live by he wants us to recognize that he is the one true God. May we experience the God that he talks about here. And let it be our prayer today that we recognize that one true God, that we experience that one true God, that God that is good, that God is that is our stronghold, and that God who knows our hearts, And whether or not we really trust him. Because Nahum says that there's a day of judgment that is coming. And the relationship that we have when that day of judgment comes is extremely important. I mean, think about it. If you were worried that you're standing in the city of Nineveh, and you have, you have walked away from, from, from the God who had spared you before, and you realized and you understood where your culture was, where your political system was, where your people were, what they believed, what they expected, what they worshipped, and where their life was going. Wow, that would be such a difficult place to be. But folks, listen, that's, a, that's exactly where a lot of people are today. Because they don't understand that God is giving them an opportunity to repent. That they just simply walk away and worship all the false gods of our time. So here's what I want to do today. I think that there's not a one of us here this morning that doesn't need to repent and you know what, I, 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 I mean, I'm there too. I want to I help us. I want to help you with that. Because I want us to leave here knowing that we are part of the solution simply by shining our light for Christ. And we go out in the world and we think that we're all alone. We're, we're, we're embarrassed or afraid or worried about sharing our faith. I'm here to tell you that if you do it, you will see the lights of other people shine brightly as well and they will encourage you, and you can encourage them. And the only thing that, that can make the world dark is for the absence of light. So let's allow God to help us to be that kind of light. Bow your heads with me, please, and I'd like to help you. I'd like to pray with you, pray with all of us, and lead us in a, in a, in a time of, um, of repentance. Father in heaven, Lord, what a what a tremendous opportunity that we have. A second, a first chance maybe for some, a second chance for many, a third, fourth, fifth, a hundred, a thousandth chance for some of us who have lived our life, Lord, according to other things other than you and God as a church as a as a family of believers I I I just I just proclaim Lord that that this is a day of repentance a day of 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 looking to you Lord and knowing that you're you're there that you are our stronghold Lord that you are good that you give us an opportunity father to be close to you to be forgiven by you so Lord, whatever, whatever's on the hearts and minds of the people here in this room today, Lord, the things that they need to repent from, I, I, just, I just pray with them, Lord, and give them an opportunity to give these things for you. Lord, some of us aren't doing everything that we can do to live at peace with all people. Your word tells us to do that. God, help us, help us to fight that. God, there, there's people here that are, that are struggling with relationships. You know, marriage, husbands, wives, parents to children, children to friends, young people to teachers, administrators. God help us to help us to know what's really important. Help us to stand up, Lord, for what's true, for what's right in your word. Help us, Lord, to be a, a bright light shining for the gospel of peace. God, may our feet be beautiful because they bring the peace that can only come from God. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins, of our shortcomings. God, I pray that we all could could pray that prayer and just simply simply say, Lord, from our heart to yours, God, forgive me. Give me strength, Lord, to live like, like I believe that you are in control. That, Lord, the end, the end will not be declared or written by anyone other than you. And, Lord, may all the days of my life be marked by my love and devotion to you. Father, I know there's a lot of people here this morning that want nothing more than that. So, God, help us to seek that. Help us to claim that. Help us to proclaim that to ourselves and to others. And Lord, as we as we lift our voices and sing this song together, Father, may it be a, a, a declaration of repentance on our part and on our, on our church and for our community and for our nation, Lord, and ultimately for the world. Because, Lord, we know that as Nahum said, You are the only hope that we have. May we realize that, Lord, and live like that in Jesus' name. Amen.